Aloha. Welcome, everyone, to another episode of Doe's Nose, continuing with the month-long series of keeping it here in Kona because I'm too tired to travel and I need a break and I want to stay home and spend some time with my son, Jakey Boy. <laughs> We've got a great guest this week, uh, Dr. Andrew West. Yes, this guy's from originally from Australia. He's got a PhD in environmental science and marine biology, a master's in zoology. This guy's been on so many different TV shows. Plus, he's got a couple of his own. I'm super excited to have him on the show. He's got some really, really good stories, and he's funny as hell, too. Uh, but before we get going, uh, a couple of shout-outs. Uh, events coming up Saturday, May 14th. That's this Saturday. Kona Boys is having a big sale. They've got surfboards, kayaks, paddleboards, clothing, and all kinds of goodies. I think if you go in there and you tell them that you heard this on Dozno's, you get 15% off on all soft goods. I think that's like clothes and hats and all that kind of shit. Um, don't forget last week's guest, Cassie White, her and her brother, Dylan Lucas, are doing the art show Friday, May 20th from 6 to 9 at Conan Coffee and Tea. Uh, they're going to have live music, all kinds of killer art, promoing all the new stuff that nobody's seen yet. I'm super excited. I'm going to be there. And they're going to have music and poo-poos and alcohol. And It sounds like a bunch of fun. I can't wait. I can't wait to see these guys. So get down there. Go check it out. But without further ado, let's go hear what Dr. Andrew West has to say. Andy, aloha. Welcome to another episode of Doe's Knows. I've got my good friend Andrew West here with me. And uh, let me get that straight. Dr. Andrew West. <laughs> um, I'm going to tell you, give you guys a little bit of background on, on our good friend, Dr. Andrew West. He is originally from Australia. Australia, yeah. Australia, mate. Uh, raised in Hawaii. He has a PhD in environmental science and marine biology. He's also a hunter like myself, which I love about him. That's one of the, how, I think that's kind of how we got started as friends, was uh, being hunters. Yeah, Andrew? That, that's right, yeah. And uh, you've, you've got so much going on here. You're, you've got a master's in zoology. Um, you've, you're helping develop some shark deterrents using magnets. Yeah, yeah. And um, you're a pastor at the Livingstones Church. Mm-hmm. Um, you've had quite a few TV shows um, on Discovery Channel, such as Hogs Gone Wild <laughs> and uh, Beast Tracker. Uh, yeah, you've, you've got a bunch going on here and a bunch more that we're going to talk about as well. Yeah, life is good. Yeah, life's pretty exciting here on the Big Island. Yeah, now uh, give us a little bit of background about you. How, how old were you when you first moved <clears throat> from Australia? Oh, well. Uh, well, my parents first moved here in, in 1981, so I was still at school, and um, it's the best move we, we ever made. Uh -huh. I mean, I thought I, I died and gone to heaven. You know, my parents were diplomats, and we kind of moved around, spent some years in South Africa, then back to Oz. 
But when my parents announced that we we're moving to Hawaii, I just thought, oh, this is awesome. Right. Because we lived kind of in a boring city inland and I, I love to surf. What and, part of Australia? In, in Canberra, which is the, the nation's capital. My dad being a diplomat was kind of uh-huh. stationed there. But when they said, hey, we're moving to Hawaii, it's like, you're kidding me. This yeah. is this is great. It's the instant I step. Everybody's dream. Oh, absolutely. I stepped foot you know, off the plane in Kona. You know, I thought I'd died and gone to heaven. Uh-huh. And you did. <laughs> oh, ab- ab- absolutely. I mean, this place is paradise. We're, you know, it's so much paradise that we're actually, we're at your house right now. We're up in Honolulu, and it's such a beautiful day here in Hawaii. We, we were like, okay, where can we do this where, you know, the sound's going to be good and all of that. And I'm just like, dude, you know what? It's so beautiful out here today. Your yard, you have these giant monkey pod trees and banana trees and um, I think those are lilikoi vines over there off the trees and it, the breeze is blowing, birds are chirping. I'm like, let's do it yeah. outside. No, absolutely. Why would you ever be inside right. in Kona? <laughs> yeah. So tell me a little bit about your family. <coughs> well, uh, yeah, my family moved here in, in um, <clears throat> 81 and I finished, I actually ended up finishing high school here in, in Kona. Um, yeah, and that's when I kind of started getting interested in, in marine science and, and, and biology. Um, got my first job ever on a shark fishing boat. Really? Here in Hawaii. And oh, it was amazing. We we're catching these you know, 1,000-pound tiger sharks, doing a little bit of work with University of Hawaii, who were looking for um, – fascinated with the, the fact that, that sharks have an incredible immune system mm-hmm. that, you know, they're one of the animals that rarely gets cancer – and anyway, they were paying us to, to go out and catch tiger sharks to, to take blood samples. And wow. um, yeah, actually, at, at, at the age of 18, I kind of pretty much finished school and almost lost my life one day uh, to a, a thousand, about a 1,300-pound tiger shark what? up in... Um, I got to hear the story. Tell you got to hear the story? story. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> okay, it was, it was a pretty cool story. Again, here I'm an 18-year-old living in Hawaii, working on a shark boat. Yeah, I had a new motorcycle, new girlfriend. Uh, yeah, uh-huh. life didn't get much better than that. Living in Hawaii. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And UH had given us a bunch of anesthetics to give these sharks because um, we needed to keep the sharks alive as we, took, we drew blood from them and then you know, rushed it back to Honolulu. So we caught this huge shark off Kauai High and it, it was enormous. We couldn't, um, uh, we did, really didn't know what to do. We're kind of mixing up this anesthetic and throwing it in its mouth as it, as it came up. Uh-huh. And finally, its eyes started rolling back in, in its head. And we, we kind of towed it all the way to the boat ramp. And then I, and then I saw its eyes were completely rolled back. It was unconscious. I actually you know, jumped in the water with it, trying to, trying to get it up onto the, the boat trailer. And that's pretty much when it came back to life. Right. And just pinned me. And yeah, it was, it was it was pretty crazy. Was it trying to chomp? It was it was trying to chomp. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it was, and it was every time it, it would chomp, um, it would graze my head. Now here am I stuck under this thirteen hundred pound tiger shark. It's pinned me to the boat trailer, so I'm stuck between the ribs of the boat trailer wow. and this tiger shark, and it's thrashing, it's thrashing, and I'd just been able to get about a pint of blood from from an artery um, of it. And when it just just went ape wild, and, and and understand like most people when they go fishing, they're catching these little fish and they're trying to get that hook out of the mouth and that little thing's flopping around and they're like, oh my gosh, what do I do? Exactly. Now we have a thirteen hundred pound tiger shark that wants to eat you as well, doing this massive 
flop. Exactly, exactly. Yeah. And we'd, ha- we'd got it on the boat trailer. We'd just pulled it out of the water a little bit so we could access access it. And um, I, I can tell you right now, my, my respect for these animals is immense, is immense. Yeah, I, I love sharks. People think you're crazy you know, loving sharks, but I love sharks. Yeah. <laughs> they're, they're great animals. And um, <clears throat> pretty much it, it threw me um, after chomping so many times, just grazing my head, um, I mean, I had to duck and weave to, to escape its jaws, mm-hmm. and it threw me against the, the boat ramp, and I knocked and knocked me unconscious. Wow! And I'm so blind. he went unconscious, then you went unconscious. Oh no! It was it was definitely conscious. I was now the unconscious <laughs> one. <laughs> we kind of traded a little bit there. So now I'm unconscious. I'm lying on the the cement boat ramp, and everyone's screaming, and they're just going. The, the crowd that always kind of gathers went, went crazy and they're like, don't look, don't look. And the, the skipper runs over and you know, drags me up the, the ramp and he's looking at me, he's lifting up my arms, lifting my head up. And I'm going, what are you doing? He goes, you're going to be okay. You're going to be okay. I said, yeah, I know. He said, no, 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 no. You're going to be okay. I'm like, huh? Yeah. And then I realized that whole pint of blood from the shark it's all over you. It's all over me. <laughs> so I'm now lying on the cement boat ramp. They're looking for the bite mark. Oh, they're looking for missing limbs. Right. <laughs> so anyway, so that day, it's kind of funny. If I can pinpoint just one day, it must have been that day. It's like, you know, I want to dedicate my life to the research of these animals and, right. and wild animals. And, and, and these and, tiger sharks, they get really big. They get People huge. don't realize yeah. that they get as big as a great white. And they're wide and thick. Just the girth of these things. In fact, when we finally, I have to you know, say we, that, that shark was, was killed when it was, was um, and when I, I actually, it was so big, Dozer, that you and I, if we sat on it, our feet wouldn't touch the ground. Wow. Because tiger sharks get to a certain length. And you're like doing the splits. Yeah. And yeah. then, they, then they start, their, their girth starts to increase. And it was so wide. This thing was, it was amazing. And I remember its, it's, um, it's jaws hung on a, in a, sur- a surf shop for about 20 years wow. after that. And you know, we could pass its jaws over us like a hula hoop. And, you know, it wouldn't even, wouldn't even touch you. So I'm kind of bummed now oh. that the thing had to, had, to, well, you know, had to die in the name of science. But we got all that blood and sent it across to... to um, to UH, where they've actually done some pretty good shark research. Anyway, that's how I got interested in marine biology and, and zoology. Alive. And I'm still alive. So where did you go to school at? Well, I finished, um, I was meant to go to Kona Wainer, uh-huh. up here in Kona, but um, the systems were too different from here in Australia. So I ended up doing um, <clears throat> you know, kind of correspondence. Right. And when I finally graduated, um, I was accepted into university, into UH. Um, then I realized that I could go back to Australia and all tertiary education in Australia is free. Uh-huh. So I went back to Australia and, then, and they got great marine science programs and sure. zoology. So I did all my, my work there. Um, and and they're, up, they're an island just like we are. Exactly. But even bigger. Exactly. So that's an amazing point because you know, I got to study island ecosystems. Mm-hmm. Uh, in, in Australia, the mainland of Australia, then Tasmania. <clears throat> and so finally I had my, um, uh, my master's degree and the Australian government uh, with UH actually called me up and said, hey, Andrew, you grew up here in Kona. You know, we got, we've got this interesting project which would make a great PhD uh, research topic on blue marlin. 
uh, would you come back mm-hmm. to Kona? You know, you know the waters, you know the, all the, the captains and stuff. <clears throat> you want to come back? And it's like, yeah, because like almost every day since I've been praying, how do I get back to Kona? Right. <laughs> you know? And Australia has some incredible marlin fishing as well. They're world famous for that Great Barrier Reef. Um, for holding some of the biggest black marlin in the world. Absolutely, absolutely. And it's funny that the, the kind of culture in Australia and Hawaii are quite similar. Mm-hmm. Um, Except for you guys talk funny. What do you mean? <laughs> Come on, <Al. laughs> I didn't have the accent. Oh, mate. <laughs> <laughs> so when I was offered that position, it was, it was quite funny because up to that point, you know, my wife had uh, just recently married a beautiful Dane that I met here in Kona. And um, we got married and she was working for Microsoft and going up through the ranks. And um, I got a job, a crazy job, working for a pharmaceutical company. And they asked me to, to help with the research. And I did. And it was, it was on menopause of all, you know. You know Okay. I know, it's crazy. So I skipped from the, from, <laughs> I went from marine biology into a kind of pharmaceutical you know, research and, and one thing led to another and I started running the, uh, the menopause hotline in Australia and New Zealand, which is hilarious because I knew nothing about that except, you know, you know, anyway, so it was quite, it was, it was, it was quite hilarious. Now, wait a second, you were on the menopause hotline, so you would have women going through menopause <laughs> calling you, asking you, you questions. Oh, absolutely. On how do I deal with this? Oh, my God. Absolutely. My, my emotions are like here and here and here and here and here. I'm going to kill quite, you. Quite I love a, you. I know. Yeah, it's, it's like, lady, put down the gun. Lady, put down the gun. So I, you know, I was working with wild animals and, and sharks, and now I'm working with crazy ladies. <laughs> Which are just as dangerous. Oh, oh man. I, you know, just a normal lady is just as dangerous. His wife, I think, is right in the kitchen right oh, I know. about pulling out a gun or a spear gun or something. Oh, you know, I fear no man and very few women. But. <laughs> <laughs> but the misses, that's a different story. <laughs> but um, oh, but it was actually a great, a great job. It's really funny job. It's like, what am I doing here on this menopause hotline? Well, tell what was the craziest call you ever had on that hotline? Oh, I, I had so many funny calls yeah. on that. <clears throat> I remember one day. Okay, I was a bit of a bit of a bugger in, in university with some of my my friends, and I remember. One of my one of my mates in one of my roommates, his mother absolutely hated me. Um, <laughs> I don't know why. Except it had something to do with she had this little fufu dog, little you know, uh-huh. Shih Tzu looking thing. And I remember, you know, when you're in college, you're just you know, moronic. <laughs> <laughs> and I remember standing on the top of the bookshelf with his huge bean bag, saying, "Hey, hey, you know, hey, Dave, bring the dog in, bring the dog in." And I just did, you know, banzai. And I remember jumping midair, <laughs> um, midair to land on this poor little thing. Oh. <laughs> and by the way, listeners, I don't do this anymore. <laughs> and I'm in midair. And the dog's still alive. The dog's still alive and happy, I think. <laughs> and his mother walks in and just, you know, screams. <laughs> and she just went, she went ape wild. Right. And, you know, just, <clears throat> anyway, from that point on, you know, I wasn't allowed foot in, in the house. <laughs> anyway, fast forward, I'm on menopause hotline. <clears throat> and and this yeah she didn't want me associated with her son she she went overboard it was. Uh-huh, right anyway I'm on the hotline and this lady starts telling me all this stuff and I said ah, okay you know look lady I'm sorry please don't tell me all those details I'm I'm a scientist I'm not your I'm not your <laughs> your gynecologist 
you know, don't have to go into those details. <laughs> just give me your name and address. I'll send you some free samples. Just stop talking. <laughs> so, so, yeah, what's your name and address? And she starts giving it to me. And then I realize it's this woman that I actually know that, that, you know, that um, hated me. And, right. you know, and she's saying her name and, and you know, it's Jillian, you know, Jillian, let's call her Brown. Jillian Brown. And what am I talking to a, a man for anyway, you idiot? It's men are all the problem of the world. And I realized that tone and that voice. I said, Jillian. <gasps> okay, Jillian. Uh, and that's in your location is Kayama Downs, New South Wales. And she goes, <gasps> how do you know? I said, oh, no reason. It's on color ID. And she goes, and I said, you wouldn't have to happen to have a, a dog called Jacob. She goes, oh, who are you? Like, Nobody. <laughs> <laughs> so I turned into the total creepster right there. Nobody really. She goes, tell me who you are. I said, this is Andrew West. She goes, oh my God. She you, starts, know, you know everything about me? <laughs> so I feel like I've, I've been a confessional and I know the priest. <laughs> um, but I guess the funniest thing is my, my sister, who is very close to me, would, would call up all the time and pretend to be... Somebody else, <clears throat> right. Oh, she'd pretend to be one of these ladies going through this... And any ladies, look, oh, I apologize. It's not a nice thing <laughs> to go through. And I, I sympathize. But anyway, she would call up and pretend to be one of these ladies and uh -huh. just start going off. And, you know, <clears throat> so I'd, I'd always be trying to call her out, like, is that her? <laughs> you know? And finally, one, and I said, no, that, that's you. I said, this is Liz. I'm calling you out. This is Liz. You sick cow. You don't, you've got to stop calling me up like this. And there's silence. And as I realized that it's actually a genuine call. Oh it's like, God. oh, no. Anyway, look, got to get off this topic before my <laughs> wife throws <laughs> knives at me. <clears throat> so I finally got the call from, hey. You know, Moving on up. You want, you, have, you want to get back into marine science? I said, absolutely. You know, <laughs> I love doing this job. It's, it's funny. You know, I go to conferences where, where I was the only man in these conferences. It was, it was a hilarious right. job. Um, anyways, I got a call from uh, Australian government saying, hey, look, we think that the blue marlin are spawning off Kailua Kona. So you went from menopause to uh, oceanic marlin fertility. Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> oh, You've got to live these eclectic lives, otherwise it's right. too boring. So the, the marlin are spawning off Kona. Well, that's right. We, we didn't really know. And the Hawaiian, you know, the state government wanted to know and the Australian government wanted to know because it's all the same blue marlin stock mm -hmm. in, the, in the Pacific. And we knew that they, that they spawn on the, on the leeward sides of, of, Hawaii, of, of large islands. And the leeward side of the Hawaiian island being the largest island really uh, in the middle of the Pacific was, was the logical place. So they said, hey, come along, you know, would you go over? And obviously, it didn't take me very long to say, yeah, yeah. I'll go over and, and do this research. So fast forward, now we're back in Kona. And um, it's, it's kind of funny. A lot of the guys, a lot of the marine biologists are saying, no, oh, Andrew, please don't do this research. You know, don't choose blue marlin. If you're going to do your PhD, if you're going to do seven years of, of research, why marlin? Because, you know. How dare, how dare that semi drive by uh, here while we're doing a podcast? I know. I gave him a glance. Yeah. Uh, he, <laughs> he won't be back. <laughs> so they said, hey, do something like starfish or OPE, the little you know, limpet shells. Uh -huh. Something that you can, in a tide pool, rather than, I mean, we only know 
50% of the, of the blue marlin's life cycle. And then, you know, we find the adults hard to catch, let alone the, the larvae, the babies, which we haven't seen. You're crazy. Don't do it. Yeah. Don't do it. And so I thought, no, 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 we, we, we can do it. We can do it. So, um, <clears throat> so I thought, okay, they've got to be like, like tuna, the, the big pelagic fish. And the pelagic fish eggs will float in the top you know, three feet of the, of the surface. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, and then they'll hatch there and then the, the, the larvae, you know, will, will go will join the plankton. And I thought, okay, so I'll build some plankton nets. <clears throat> no one had ever really seen these live before. There's some like old samples from you know, old Japanese plankton toes, mm-hmm. you know, some drawings that I, I'd seen. Anyway, fast forward a couple of, uh, about a year, I made these nets and I designed them out of dumpster scraps that I found, old mosquito netting, old, you know, huh. old carpet and PVC. And I thought, okay, these little buggers are going to be right on the surface of the water. Mm-hmm. And I just know <clears throat> that they're going to be off Kona. It just, it's, it makes logical sense. Right. So the, you find a current line. Exactly. working with some plankton on it. Exactly. Yeah. So I thought, let's go. So I threw... Um, my old ghetto nets, and these things were terrible. You know, these nets, and I threw them in a friend's Zodiac boat, and I got Jane, my wife, to come with me. So we went about 300 yards out of the harbour mouth and threw these ghetto nets in, mm-hmm. the, in the water and did some tows, and the, the Zodiac was leaking and Jane's bailing <laughs> as I'm towing. It was kind of like it was a bit of a comedy. <clears throat> and at that point, it just hit me like, what the heck am I doing? Yeah. What am I doing here? Like, I've, I've left Australia. I've left a good job. My wife you know, quit her job with Microsoft and we're here on a hope that there's, that there's you know, blue marlin larvae. Hopefully she got some stock in that. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man, she was an angel, let me tell you. <clears throat> so then the, the Coast Guard rocks up and they see this little boat. They see my wife bailing. They see these ghetto nets around the side and they ordered me back in. And, and then it's just going to hit me. What the heck am I doing? What a fool. I should have listened to I should have listened to everyone. I should have done starfish that don't move much. Right. Should have stayed in Australia being the menopause counselor. <laughs> so <laughs> no, no. went <laughs> no, <don't. laughs> So went, you know, back with my tail between my legs and um pulled onto the yeah, onto the ramp. Yeah, I did, um, and I emptied the nets into the into a bucket and what do I see? Three baby marlin. Wow. Swimming on the bottom of a bucket. It, it was just one of those defining moments in your life like, oh I my gosh. It. Yeah, I did. I can't believe it. I can't believe it. I was it. right. Yep. So yep. it kind of it kind of staggered the scientific world because I said, no, that shouldn't be happening. We don't, you know. It's like, no. Nope. Anyway, so that's what we, we, we proved that blue marlin spawn here. They spawn all year round. They actually have a peak in, um, in summer. And we also showed that other things were spawning here as well. That this is the Kona Coast of Hawaii is an incredible spot with right. the gyres and the currents we have. Yeah. They're, now, one of the things that I've always heard is that all marlin are male marlin until they get to the size of 300 pounds. And from there, <clears throat> they switch sex and become females. Is that true? It's, it's, we used to believe that. For, for decades and decades, we used to believe that until we had kind of breakthroughs in the whole genetics mm-hmm. where we actually can see even from the egg stage, we can take DNA and look at if it's male or – you can look in the chromosomes. Is it, is it male or female? Oh, wow. So that used to be what we did believe. But now we believe that there is this, um, they are born, they, are, they do hatch um, either male or female. 
<clears throat> now, the only way to tell the difference between them is, is unfortunately, is to have to, to, um, to dissect them. Right. Um, but we do know for a fact now that, you know, that they either hatch male or female. Males grow very slowly mm-hmm. and they only attain, you know, we used to think only attain, you know, sizes up to two, 300 pounds. But we know now that a couple here have been caught of, of Kona that may be around 400 pounds. Okay. So... But exactly. any, any of these big girls that, that Kona's famous for, you know, these granders, what we call them, a thousand pounds plus are females. Exactly. Exactly. They're big breeders. Exactly. Now, so what the, are your thoughts on, you know, these, these charter boats that, you know, they're in a tournament, they're looking for yeah. these thousand pounders plus, they kill them. You know, yeah. unfortunately, mm. these, these giant, giant animals have super, super weak, weak hearts. Yeah, and a lot of them die. <clears throat> that, that, that's right. That's right. I mean, when I first started the study, I had to—I you know, was deckhand on a few, on a few boats. It's kind of funny. We've got some grumpy old men of the sea out out here. These captains—I love them. They're yeah. great guys. They kind of cornered me old like sea dogs. Yeah. What the heck do you know about Marlon Sonny? Yeah, it's like <laughs> nothing. <laughs> had to pay my dues sure. to these to these guys. But and back then, this is like fifteen years, fifteen years ago. Um, there was just a lot of yeah, carnage, just yeah, kill them all, kill uh-huh. them all. I have seen a major change now with the skippers because right. they're realizing that, that they're sitting on the branch that we're soaring. Right. You know? <laughs> and that, in fact, because we did prove that this is a, a major spawning ground for, for Pacific Blue Marlin, that, as you said, Doze, is absolutely correct, that these big females, they're big spawning factories. Mm-hmm. And I, I dissected about a 500-pound, 600-pound female and I, I, I um, estimated there being 300 million eggs. 300 million. Absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah, so, so you don't have to be a math expert to realize you, you take too many of these big females out of the equation right. and it's going to start hurting us. Yeah. <laughs> so I've always been an advocate of, of um, you know, tag, tag, and tag and release. I mean, you know, I love fishing. And I'll, I'll take the occasional small female Right. You know, for cow cow for, for for food right um but i won't take the big ones yeah and a, another reason and this has made me really unpopular in the scientific um <coughs> arena um more it's more of a political thing but i've always thought okay the big these big marlins have probably got a lot of mercury mm-hmm. and so i took a sample from a thousand pounder and I sent it to one of my, my professor friends on the mainland mm-hmm. to do a, an assay to, do, to see how much mercury. And it came back at 20 times the FDA limit of, wow. of mercury. Um, and that, cause they just, because they're top, they're an apex predator, they just start accumulating. It's bioaccumulation of, of stuff in their bodies, mercury being the big one. So now when someone gives me some sausage uh, from, from, you know, or, or, a big or smoked smoke, meat. Yeah, smoked marlin or whatever. Yeah, I politely ask, ah, oh, what, what animal did this come from? Right. Because I know the figures. How big was it? Yeah. Because, like, yeah. I mean, FD, like 20 times the FDA limit is a lot. To put it in perspective, if you look back in history, they had the big mercury spills in Japan uh-huh. uh, that caused, you know, thalidomide and, you know, babies being born with, with defects. That was 40 times the FDA limit. Right. So it's kind of in the same ballpark. Now, what other uh, marine animals out there are carrying large amounts of mercury? Um, sharks. The bigger sharks will. Uh-huh. 
Um, luckily here, all our most of our food fish, <coughs> like yellowfin tuna, mahi, onos, they're pretty fast, and the akus, the skipjack tuna, they're pretty fast growing. Right. So we don't really have that threat from them. The big northern bluefin tunas, once they get like 1,000 pounds, they will. Uh-huh. They will get them um, as well. Anyway, it's just – so I always tell my, my friends and my mates, look, yeah, just be careful on yeah. – on, um, and I tell you, I, I eat the smaller ones. So. Unashamedly. Yeah. Well, I prefer the smaller ones myself. Yeah. I, I actually like a, if I'm going to eat a marlin, I'd prefer a striped marlin. Yes. You know, a nice 50, 60 pounder. Absolutely. And that's been feeding on a bunch of krill where yep. the meat has turned just orange. It's that orangey color. Yeah. 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 <laughs> Absolutely. So actually, our studies showed that um, striped marlin do spawn here. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, spearfish spawn here the chucker the chucker every single every single month of the year and right. that kind of blew everyone away because no no they, they only turn up at this day no they are here yeah they are here but they're probably just not not hitting our lures right <clears throat> another one is and i've always been hesitant to <laughs> say this but um spear uh, swordfish i get swordfish larvae or swordfish juveniles uh-huh. like you know, one inches two inches um ju- uh what is it june july august huh. So they they hit, they're here also spawning right. during those months, so um, it just shows so we, how we we, lo- we lost a good friend this last year. Yes, Randy. Um, Randy Lanus to a, spear, a swordfish yeah. incident, and um, and I think that was probably right around that same spawning time, wasn't it? <laughs> yeah, I think yeah. It was summertime. It's funny. People ask me what animal will you not get in the water with, and that's easy. It's, it's a, a swordfish. Right. They are they're so explosive. They're so unpredictable. Angry. Yeah, I'll get in the water with any striped marlin, blue marlin, black marlin, any tiger shark, great white. But the thing that makes me most twitchy is is swordfish. Yeah, um, and yeah. They've, been, they've been known to spear submarines. Mm. Yeah, that's crazy. They're, they're kind of the crazy, insane cousin. <laughs> <You know? laughs> right. I mean, you even look at that species; it's actually not even related to any other species. You know, Xiphius gladius is the, is the scientific name of it. And gladius because it has a gladiator sword stuck on the middle of its face. And just wow. they're really aggressive, um, <clears throat> in, intriguing animal, intriguing uh-huh. animal. So we do have them here and they do, they do spawn here. Right. So all that to say is we have a major spawning ground. It's a major, major nursery for all these pelagic animals right here off Kailua Kona. Amazing. Amazing. So let's go back a little bit. So you... You, because um, I know we got a little bit sidetracked, but <laughs> you uh, started realizing all this stuff was going on here in Kona. Mm. Um, what kind of happened then? Uh, UH well, just kind of went, whoa. Yeah, no, they, they were great. Got some great researchers there, great researchers here in, um, uh, with Noah. Mm. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> it was funny. They knew that I was, I was um, catching larval marlin, and they did a study as well on larval pelagics and they invited me on one of their cruises and I said, can I bring my, my ghetto nets? I said, oh, no need. We've got a big iCat trawl. It's this huge nets, like 60 foot long and <clears throat> 15 foot wide. No, no. And they, they need a ship to tow them. I said, nah, let me bring my local net that I made and just put me in the lifeboat. Right. And, and um, I said, oh, okay. And that way I could get through the current lines like right. you were describing before. And I'd go in and out and – Hands down, every day, I'd have a better batting average. I'd get more larvae, marlin larvae, swordfish, than, than any of those, <laughs> right. which is kind of funny. Um, yeah, so they're great guys. We did a bunch of, bunch of really good research. But the same you know, time came when I started having children. Yeah, 
I had job offers back in Honolulu. It's like, nah, I, I love I love Kona. Yeah. I want to stay in Kona. So I started my own environmental consulting company, the Ecology Lab, Pacific Ecology Lab. And I was hoping to do, you know, research on marlin and, and sharks and and uh, but no one paid for that kind of stuff here. Sure. So then someone finally came up to me and said, Do you do pigs? So like, excuse me? <laughs> Does your company do you know, feral pig research and control? I said. I, I get phone calls for feral pig eradication. Oh, yeah. Yeah, lots of them. So my, my response to that was, do I do pigs? I said, do you pay? Yeah. And they said, yes. And said, well, yes, of course I do pigs. <laughs> <laughs> so it was, a steep... was this before you got your master's in zoology? Or... No, it was after. Yeah. <clears throat> so it was a steep learning curve. Got together some of my local mates and. Uh, just started trapping pigs and landed some big contracts. Um, and yeah, started learning a lot about uh, pigs, which is absolutely fascinating animals. And started learning more about just the whole ecosystem here in, in Hawaii, which is, it's, it's crazy interesting, just the mm-hmm. amount of animals we have. And because we have no large predators, a lot of these, a lot of these animals, like these feral animals, just go gangbusters and start breeding, like you know, the right. goats and sheep and cattle and pigs. And all the local families love it because you've got your know, food on the hoof mm-hmm. outside. But a lot of the our um, people, the recent uh, migrants from the mainland, <laughs> yeah. don't particularly appreciate them as much because they're digging up golf courses and, and, yards, and yards and gardens and yeah. yeah. So that's been our bread and butter of the last. Um, for example, just one of the golf courses that I've been contracted as a biologist over the last five years, I've caught fifteen hundred pigs. Wow. on one golf course and I capture them live and I give them away to, to local families here in Hawaii. Yeah. So I don't, I don't charge them. It's kind of like, you know, you live in paradise and you've got to give back to the community. So yeah. people yeah. say, you're crazy not, not charging them money for that. And I was like, nah, you know, I, I love, you know, so I've got this list of, of families. Even the local police will give me mm-hmm. families. I'll ask my, some of my friends. That are in need. And, yeah. yeah. So, yeah, who are the families in need? And they'll discreetly tell me. And so I can go over and give them. Oh, so they, they can't understand. Here's this kind of howly guy with a weird accent distributing live right. pigs. <laughs> <laughs> I thought you didn't talk funny. I don't. <laughs> <laughs> now, pigs are, are, are gnarly over here. A lot oh, yeah. of people, they don't understand that. Um, they reproduce what three to four times a year. <coughs> well, they can a, a pig, a female can can conceive at um, just under four months, three months, we, wow. you know, three, 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 three months, three weeks, and three days, and she's ready to conceive. So oh. again, you don't have to be a math expert uh, to realize that yeah, a population can grow exponentially. And how many times a year can she do that? <clears throat> well, probably about one and a half times a year if she's a good mother and, and you know, right. Um, maybe, maybe, maybe twice, twice a year, but the and thing they, is, and they have anywhere from, okay, just so we can mm-hmm. look at the math here. Mm-hmm. Okay. So one and a half times a year she has, and they start at three months. Um, they have anywhere from two to what, 16 babies yeah, in the litter? They'll start for maybe you know, with maybe with four of them and they'll have, you know, I've seen them up to 10 or 12, you know, the litters. So, so again, I mean, the population just grows um, exponentially. Yeah. So us as biologists and hunters, we have a duty here. You know, <laughs> if, 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 we, if you have a given population and if you don't reduce that population number by 70% every year, mm-hmm. then the pigs will out, overrun you. Right. 
And a lot of people, you know, there's, there's, I deal with this a lot. Um, animal lovers. I'm an animal lover. Mm-hmm. People don't understand this. I'm a, even though I'm a hunter, mm-hmm. you know, I'm, I'm an extreme animal lover. I love all of these mm-hmm. animals. I love the ones that I'm hunting as well, too. But there is this whole management thing that we have to go by. Otherwise, like what you're saying is, we get overrun. Yeah. And it's, it's not healthy for anybody. No, that's right. It's, it's actually, it's, it's a necessity. It's a necessity. Um, good management is, is, is vital. I mean, in the marine ecosystem with the marlin, and uh-huh. here with, with, with um, the sheep and goats and pigs and cattle and, that we have here, um, it's, it's, it's vital. And, the, I mean, the local boys have been doing a good job keeping the, the pig numbers right. down. They um, do a lot of castration, ma- making yeah. a lot of the big males into what we call lajoles. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And, um, so it's quite funny because you'll have one, one neighbor who will call me to, to, um, to trap pigs off their property. Right. I'll do that. And I know their neighbor is a good friend of mine. And, you know, I'll oh, give me the pig. I'll release it. You know, I'll castrate and release it. It's right. like, oh, no, I can't. But, you know, so you have the local people who love having all the, the food on, on the hoof Right. Outside, and then you have people who just absolutely hate them. So there's always this kind of tension. Um, but I've got to tell you, when I was in Australia, growing up as an ecologist, you know, I thought hunters were, were I've got to be honest, I thought they were moronic, yeah. you know, shooting koalas and wombats and, right. and stuff. And when I first came here, I found out that it was an operational necessity for me to learn how to bow hunt because oh. I was in an area that the pigs weren't going into the traps. They are coming at certain times at night. I had to... The nights I spent sitting on someone's, you mm-hmm. know, roof, <laughs> always before. Or rock wall or yeah, lanai's, whatever. Always before, you know, half an hour after sunset because hunting after that would be illegal. Right. <laughs> <laughs> um, I was observing <laughs> those, those later <laughs> hours. <clears throat> and um, I had to learn how to hunt right. and, and giving meat away. And I've got to tell you, I, I haven't bought meat now in – in four or five years. Yeah. Um, and, and, and we love being organic over here. Oh, ex- exactly. Yeah, that's exactly. one of the great things about Hawaii. And, and, you know, these people that a lot of the people on the mainland or wherever, they go into Safeway, they go into Costco. Who knows where that meat's coming from? Oh, oh my God. I know where my meat is coming from. Oh, a- a- it's absolutely. It's coming off this farm over here that, you know, they've been eating all the good mm. stuff. When you when you look at what organic. the pig, when you look at what the pigs have been eating like macadamia nuts, guavas, mangoes, mm-hmm. avocados, it's incredible. But yeah, I was I used to have that perception that hunters were like you know, not very environmental environmentally friendly until I started hooking up with guys like you mm-hmm. and other friends that hunt. I remember my first my first bow hunt for sheep. I'm like, okay, I'm hungry. I'm a hungry PhD student. I need some meat. <laughs> Let's go get some. You know, I need to you know put some meat in the fridge. And my friends had a bunch of of um, tea posts and wire. What are you doing? It's, oh, we found some endangered plants up here. We're going to be putting fences around. I'm like, really? Yeah. And I was stunned that they were more environmentally conscious than a lot of these environmental groups that right. I know, a lot of these lobbyists that I know. Yeah. And that shocked me that how, how conscious these guys, my, uh, my hunter friends, were. Mm-hmm. And it was a huge revelation to me that – that, um, that, okay, not only is their, their sport, but they, they do love these animals. They love the environment. They want to protect the environment. Yeah. Um, so that, that came as, as a big shock to me at how environmentally sensitive that hunters actually were. 
And here in Hawaii, we have that word pono, which means kind of, you know, I don't know how to describe that, you know, righteous thinking and, you know, mm-hmm. about the environment mm-hmm. and just walking, you know, being, you know, conscious of being a good steward yeah. of the environment that we have here in Hawaii. And, and that's one of the great things about being here on the Big Island as well as everybody is conscious. Yeah. Environmentally yeah. conscious, spiritually conscious. Um, it's an amazing, amazing place with a bunch of amazing people. Oh, a- absolutely. And even when you look at the environment here, like I love living in Australia, but I can do everything I did in Australia, I can do it here. And yeah. when you look at this, this, the world, planet Earth, has 13 different climate zones. Mm-hmm. On the big island here, we have 11 of them. Yeah. So we can get crazy. From steamy rainforest to dry desert. We can hunt in, you know, up yeah. in your alpine areas. Alpine areas, the desert areas. All the way to Arctic zones. <laughs> exactly. And it's, then our islands are so alive with yeah. volcanic activity. Mm-hmm. You know, it's growing every single day. Yeah. We have the most cleanest, clearest waters in the state, if yep. not some in the world. In the world, I'd say, for it's, sure. Yeah, it's for crazy. Sure. I love it here so much. Yeah. Come visit us, people. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> and here, Dozen and I, sitting on this on lanai here, I've got some GPS coordinates of where I've, I've got some cattle traps, My um, these wild cattle that I'm taking off off um, coffee farms, and I'm relocating them to mm-hmm. friends who have cattle farms. And I looked at my... My GPS and it's 2.4 kilometers, which is a mile from where we're sitting. There's right wild cattle roaming. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. And tell us about the wild cattle. What's up with that? How they start? Interesting, know? interesting story. People are just going to be normal. People are going to be like, oh, my, there's a cow right there, but they're not just cows. <laughs> oh no! And once they become feral, they actually are very, very aggressive. Very aggressive. Yeah, very wild. Chase you up a tree oh, yeah. really fast and I, try and kill you. I think both of us have had friends that have been... I've been chased up a tree. Yeah. I got stuck up a tree for like three hours. Are you kidding me? This thing just... And it was a cow. It wasn't even a bull. <laughs> yeah, don't be telling too many people that. I do, so. <laughs> All my cowboy friends were like, yep. I know. <laughs> one, yeah. one of my friends was walking with his wife and baby up, up north of the island and they came around a little, a little path on a cliff on, a, on the side of a mountain and here's this huge bull and they had to go off the, the path hanging onto a tree with a cliff below them wow. for eight hours. Wow. Eight hours and this big bull was would just, not leave. would not leave. It just wanted them, you know. So anyway, how did they get here? It, okay, Hawaii, um, you got to cast your mind back a couple of hundred years ago when there was the, the chiefs and the, um, <clears throat> and the kings here on the islands. Uh, whaling was a big industry uh-huh. and ships used to come through and they'd you know, come and get water and, and supplies. And as for the, for the rite of passage through the islands, they'd give gifts uh-huh. to, the, to the kings. Right. Like King Kamehameha the Great used to get so many uh-huh. gifts. That's how our cattle came here. In our um, deer. Yep. George... Captain George Vancouver brought a handful of cattle in 1793 as a gift to, uh, to King Kamehameha the Great. Landed them over in um, Kealakekua. They were pretty bad. They were actually all seasick. <laughs> <laughs> so he landed them there to recuperate and put a kapu. Nobody can hunt these cattle. Right. <clears throat> and kapu, and when the king said, you don't hunt them, you don't hunt them. Right. And they kind of, they escaped and went wild into the mountains. And so, you know, fast forward about, you know, 100 years or so, his great-grandson's now on the throne 
and lift the kapu because the, the cattle problem in Kailua Kona was so bad that they had to construct a wall to stop the rampaging cattle from coming down. Into the town. Into the town. Into the village, yeah. People were getting killed. Crops were getting eaten. Wow. Crazy stories. And so that, you know, the Hawaiians learned how to um, <clears throat> ride horses, how to rope. And the Hawaiians were some of the first cowboys. Yeah. More, like before Texas. Way before Texas. Yeah. It's crazy. Yeah, so the, the history the here is Paniolos. Yeah, he, yeah, history here is, is amazing. <clears throat> so we got the, um, the, the pigs came with the canoes. And there were certain canoe animals we call the canoe animals mm-hmm. and canoe plants. Um, and they kind of mixed with gifts to Kamehameha and, and, and the kings. Like there was, even, there was even pigs brought from the Black Forest in Germany. Wow. So we've got, you know, Eurasian the, boars. Right, the Russian boars. Absolutely, Russian boars. We've got, you know, Wilbur, <laughs> like the, the domestic pig. Right. So a lot of times I'll, I'll capture a pig. And a Polynesian boar. Exactly. Exactly. So you've got your Kanaka pigs, your Polynesian right. canoe pigs. So a lot of times we'll catch pigs and we'll look at them and go, wow, that's, that's almost pure you know, throwback to, to a Polynesian pig or to a Russian boar. Right. So have all these mixtures. And then, of course, there was the sheep and the goats and mm-hmm. um, a lot of animals that are all now here wild. So why would you buy meat? <laughs> right. right. And so the cattle, you know, that's pretty much what we were talking about. These Paniolos all of a sudden started getting them under control. And, and, you know, a lot of people don't realize that we have a ranch on this island called Parker Ranch. And mm-hmm. at one point, it was the largest ranch in, what, North America? Something like Something that, Something like yeah. that. It was humongous. Yeah. Yeah. Of course, they've sold pieces off here and there. But, um, and mm. now they, they still they maintain these cattle on all these ranches. But we still have areas where the forest is so dense um, mm-hmm. that these cattle, you know, you can't get them out of there. Yeah. And they're, and they're yeah. wild as hell. Yeah. And they're mean and ornery. And we're out there pig hunting and we're getting chased by cattle, by yeah. bulls from cows that have their babies. And it's crazy. It's the, it's the only thing that I worry about when I'm, I take my family up, you know, uh, Hawaii for a picnic. Because uh-huh. we, we have seen wild cattle. And these days, you know, I'm not hunting them, but I'll, I'll just, you know, have my 270 on my back just, right. just in case. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, just in case. I know the, the Department of Land and Natural Resources are trying to get all the cattle that yep. are in these zones, like you're talking about two a mile from your house. Yeah, I- exactly. So, so I just, a warning, a lot of people say, oh, I'm going to go hunt cattle. Hey, be really, really careful. You know, these things will... They, they will really hurt you. Yeah, you know, absolutely, absolutely. The, the pigs will, pigs when you, you know, they will charge you if you, if, you know, especially if you're hurt or they're cornered, uh-huh. they will go at you. We've had some vindictive pigs. I mean, I know you know first, firsthand, firsthand. you've been cut. <laughs> um, but the, the cattle will, for no apparent reason, will come at you. Yeah. The wild, you know, obviously, I don't know if they're trying to defend a, a herd. Yeah. Um, a pig will generally run away from you. Yeah. Unless it's cornered or you're attacking it. But the cattle will just run at you for no reason. <laughs> yeah. yeah, and the sheep and the goats, they're just going to run away. Yeah, yeah. So, but, um, you know, that's, that's some incredible stuff. But you've also had all kinds of other cool stuff going on in your life. You've done some great TV shows. 
You know, ah, one of them. Thanks. Discovery yeah. was kind of your your baby for a while. Yep. Yep. And you did a show called Hogs Gone Wild and and Beast Tracker. Tell mm-hmm. tell us a little bit about those shows. Oh, it's good. Hogs Gone Wild was the uh, the beginning. That, that was that was when there was a whole bunch of hog. In fact, we were, we, we were the first show on TV to do hog trapping and hog hunting. Mm-hmm. You know, it's funny. And that I, show kind of was. Like different kind of hog hunters all over the country. Correct. And you were the Hawaii hogs. That's right. Yeah. So what happened is, is um, I'm so proud of this island, yeah. <laughs> Hawaii. <laughs> we, whenever the Hawaii segments came in, came on, the rating soared. That's awesome. Everyone wants to see Hawaii. Yeah. Yeah, and of course. <laughs> and I mean, we had some other great stuff. Um, there was uh, Texas and um, Florida, then, then yeah, Florida and Texas, correct. Yeah. And in the end, um, they just wanted me and my Hawaiian um, friend to go over to California, Oklahoma. Um, and we thought, gee, there's some huge, huge animals over there, 400-pounders. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, I've got a friend that has a ranch in Central Cal. Yeah. And they are monsters. Oh, oh, oh yeah. yeah. I saw some 600-pounders. Yeah. And the thing, the, the, the numbers of the pigs over there just exploding because it's normally, it's pretty much um, because the deer feeders – Everyone feeds deer now because yeah, it's a corn and Pigs the pig. Love corn. Oh, they're cashing in. Yeah. They're cashing in on that, and they're so smart. They know you know where the where the spots are and the time of day that the deer feeder is going to come on. Mm-hmm. So yeah, so then we did be- Beast Tracker, and I had the honor of working with Sir David Attenborough's crew, the guys that did you know, Blue Planet and Planet Earth, and uh-huh. these guys are crazy good. Yeah, and that w- I was actually investigating. It's more of a scientific thing. We're investigating you know, attacks from crocodiles and, and um, big snakes like Burmese pythons. And uh-huh. I was always trying to get back here to Hawaii. You know? uh-huh. And we did some on tiger shark and, 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 and large pigs. Um, yeah, so um, now we're, we're starting a, our own thing. Um, my wife and I have started a company called Hawaii Wildside. And we've got a lot of Hawaiian sponsors. And again, my... My secret agenda is uh-huh. just to show off <laughs> yeah. this this island oh, and, yeah. and the, actually all the islands of Hawaii, just the culture, the history, yeah. the animals, the ecosystems, and and the adventure. So what we're doing is we're kind of focusing on fascinating stories. And I know you've got you know, a bag full of fascinating stories, interesting stories where there's been you know uh, human animal and human interactions. Sure. And so that's I come along and put my science hat on and explain, hey, hey, these animals aren't being evil per se. They're just doing instinctually doing what they do. Uh-huh. And we as humans often get in the way mm-hmm. and provoke attacks or, or whatever. So, yeah, it's an interesting show. We've picked up a bunch of sponsors already. Now, are you going to do that over the web or are you trying to sell it out to like Outdoor Channel or National Geographic or yeah, well, Discovery? Well, there's a few. There's a Animal few. Animal Planet. No, it's a good question. Um, we've got a, a couple big leads. People are very interested in that, in um, you know, whether it's Outdoor Channel or um, or Netflix or, or something like ABC. that. It could be. But then on the same time, we've got a um, a large cable network that has now come along and wants us to do something something very similar. So we've got two shows that are um, are, are cooking away. Mm-hmm. <laughs> And both of them are very Hawaii-centric. Right. Because what I've been selling to all the networks and is, you know what, you know, Alaska's great. Yeah. But it's time to warm up. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you know, we've, we've got 
we've got the stories. We've got the, we've got the beaches and the surf and the, the animals right here. It's, yeah. Yeah. Well, so does Australia. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But, um, yeah. Anything's better than Alaska, that's for sure. <laughs> uh, I'm sorry, Alaska. I have a lot of friends in Alaska, but, you know, it's cold, man. Oh, yeah. I don't want no part of that. And when we look at every. Uh, it, gets, it gets below 70 and I'm freezing. Oh, I know. <laughs> I call 70 uh, 10 below. Right. It's 10 below 80, which is. <laughs> Which, sure. We shouldn't be living in those climates. <laughs> oh, no, man. Oh, my gosh. If I have to put shoes on, I kind of freak out. <laughs> so, again, I think you know, Hawaii is very cinematic. People want to see it. People sitting in Nebraska or you know, Milwaukee, you know, they want to yeah. see Hawaii. And you look at all the really good shows that have been well-produced in Hawaii. They're all they boom from yeah. Dog the Bounty Hunter to Magnum P.I. to Hawaii 5.0. Yeah. People love it. And now you're, you're also doing, uh, you've been part of another show that we haven't talked about yet. Um, I think you guys are going into your second season. I think, I think it's on ABC or CBS. Oh, Kona yes. Blue. Uh, absolutely. Um, that's, that's the, the Marlin Fishing Show. It's, it's, yeah. it's, a, it's a great show. And we've got Kevin Hibbard. Who's Kevin a, Hibbard, one of my close friends. Yeah. I mean, you know, that guy's a hero. That guy. He's, yeah, yeah. One of the smartest guys I know, man. He is. He is. Yeah. Don't ever tell him that, but he is. No, he knows it. <laughs> but he's super, super humble. He so, is. And he just, uh, he's grown a new family with uh, a beautiful wife and a new son. Oh my gosh, four months old, uh, Fletcher. Fletcher, yeah, you yeah, bet. He's a cutie. So that show is, is called Pacific Blues. And um, I've got a mind blank who's putting it out. I think it's ABC. Yeah. I'll get shot. Uh, essentially, it's like five, five, gentlemen that have been fishing here for like 20 years. They uh -huh. call it the TART, the Tag and Release Tournament. Right. And it was, first of all, sponsored by one of the guys who actually owns a little show. It's kind of embarrassing. Young and Get, the Restless or something like that? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> was it Days of Our Lives? Well, yeah, one what of those two. I should know. Soap operas, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I used to be on, yeah. I was, <laughs> I was the Fabio-looking dude. No, I'm totally kidding. <laughs> so, but that, what a great show that is. And they, yeah. write, they write their own music, and it's um, produced here on this island by Farish Media. Mm -hmm. A great bunch of people to work with. And I'm, I'm the science. I'm the talking head, the science head on as I come and explain marlin and, and you know, yellowfin tuna. Because I, I love doing that. I mean, yeah. as much as I love the animal, I love, I love people as well. And to me, what's even better than that is, you know, talking to people about the animals right because that's what lights my jets yeah. and on that show i get to explain you know the intricacies of you know the marlin like explaining like hey, marlin when they look up and they look straight laterally they see in, in color uh -huh. but when they look down they see in black and white wow really so a lot of people don't realize i that. don't know that yeah so what's up with that what was the reasoning well it's, it's the way that cones and rods are orientated uh -huh. um if you look forward they want to see color because they're looking at their 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 um their prey items right um are in the blue green spectrum here's another thing one of my friends dr Kristen um fritches from the university of, of queensland was doing this study and i was we we're helping her, you know, get retinas out of of, um, of these uh, of fish, mahi mahis, and tuna and marlin, and hooking them up to all her equipments and and um, yeah, introducing colours and you could actually see which ones they responded to. Wow. And marlin spawn respond best to the blue green spectrum, huh. and it makes sense because that's you know the akus and all the right, right. You know, the, the tunas and that on the My surface, mahi mahis, and... they're all bluey greeny. Yeah. 
um, but when they look down, they see black and white. And if you notice that all big predatory mammals see black and white. Hmm. And the reason for that is black and white gives you best, best I'm, contrast. I'm looking down right now. <laughs> I don't see black and white. No. <laughs> and they see black and white because they can look down into the inky depths yeah. and they can, they can see contrast. They can uh, differentiate mm -hmm. shapes better looking in black and white. Mm. But looking up on the surface, the, the sunlit area, it's best to see in color. So they've got the best of both worlds. Wow. So isn't that nuts? That it is It just nuts. shows you, you know, what an amazing animal the you know, Pacific Blue Marlin is. Yeah, and you're bringing that onto this TV show. And, yep. and like I said, one of the great things about that TV show is, you know, they cover so many aspects. You've got the guys that are out there on the boats mm -hmm. that are working it. You've got you that are describing all of this stuff, mm. all this n wealth of knowledge about these fish and how they work and how we interact with them. Yeah. And then you've got Kevin who's working on the technical side. Hey, this is, this is what we're doing as far as, you know, um, how we're catching them, how these things work, blah, blah, blah. And then at the final end, you guys have a beautiful chef on there, Catherine, yeah. <laughs> who is preparing all of this great fish that you guys caught for the day. So it's, it's a really cool show. It's, it's unlike any of the other ones that are out there. It, it's actually quite amazing. It's quite amazing. It's really cool to work with those guys. The, those, the five fishermen, um, really good fishermen, really good sports, you know, good hang around. And you hang around with, with some of the best fishermen in the world. You know, all those skippers. Yeah. Uh, I mean, almost every skipper here is, is, is you know, crazy good. Oh, yeah. And you get a handful of these guys that are just off the charts. Yeah. You know, and, we, and, you know, well, they're out here dealing with some of the biggest fish on the planet. And, yeah. Yeah. How many would you say thousand-pound marlin are caught here a year? Oh, gee. Um, I don't know. I have to look at my records. But um, you get maybe, what, a, a couple? Yeah. Um, but the thing is, like, Every month of the year, a grander has been caught right. off Kona. Yeah. And the crazy thing is, is you can just leave the harbor, you know. Five minutes. Five minutes. Yeah. And you're catching, and you, yeah, you have a you stand a chance to catch a thousand pound marlin. Yeah. And this last year, because of this El Nino year, we had some monsters of the deep yeah. come up, some 1,400 pounders, oh. 13 oh. and 1,400 pounders. In, insane. Yeah. Insane. And that's the thing about marlin is we don't even know how big they get. Right. Here's like a marlin you know, biologist <laughs> telling we don't even know how big they get. Now, what's the, what's the biggest that's ever been captured? captured? <laughs> I know, um, I think it's 1,800 pounds yep. on a rod and reel, which yep. is <laughs> Just over 1,800 pounds, and that was caught here in Hawaii. Right, by a friend of ours, his yep. father. Uh, yeah. And then um, and then George Parker. George Parker caught the first one yeah. you know, back in the day. Um, but... But We've seen some enormous line, fish here. Long liners catch some three thousand pounders. I think they get over three thousand pounds. Yeah, we've had anecdotal evidence of of them around three thousand pounds from fishermen, from skippers that I trust, <coughs> that have seen, you know, oh, there's a pilot whale. What is this pilot whale following my boat for? Right, and they try and shake it off, like you know, try and, and they realize that it's got this log size bill in front yeah. of it, and they're like. Oh, my word. We had a family. I, I talked to a family down south who were long line, and they caught an enormous blue marlin that they couldn't bring it on board. They had to get in the water with it, cut its head off, fins off, gut it, and they still brought to market 2,200 pounds of meat. Holy moly. Yeah. Yeah. 
Wow. So in, and how'd they catch it? Long line? On a long line, yeah. On Holy a long line. moly. I know. I was in Fiji this last year. And it was a time of year I typically don't go to Fiji. And, um, you know, the waves you'd think aren't really that well, but they were really well. The winds were perfect. But I was looking forward to the fishing. And when we got out there, the water was, you, you hear the stories of it just boiling. Okay, well, this was boiling as far as you can see. It was white water on the calmest day everywhere. Tunas are jumping. I'm watching Marlin scream by. They didn't even want our lures at all. You know, there was just <laughs> so much action going on. I found that uh, doing with a bait caster type deal and doing a big old jig and popping that thing, I was catching all the ahis. Wow. But I remember there was one thing that happened, and it was probably, you know, about 100 yards away from us. But it was an animal I've never, ever, 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 ever seen before, and I still to this day don't know what it was. Maybe it was a 3,000-pound marlin. I don't know because the size of this thing was just crazy. But it came out of the water like a whale would, and none of us, we're all on the boat. I've got a friend from California that fishes nonstop. Um, I've got a friend over in Florida who's he owns some of the biggest fish restaurants, and he goes out there and he fishes all over the Caribbean and every. We're all sitting there in disbelief, going, "What was that? We have no idea what it was, <laughs> and it was huge. You know, maybe it was that three, five thousand pound marlin. It, it could be. All. It's funny you, you mentioned Fiji because there's a classic photo um, I sent, I, of an enormous marlin bill leaning on the side of, of a Fijian hut, huh. and they had a, a, a thousand pound marlin bill next to it. And the, that bill is like two feet long, you know, the yeah. thousand pounder. And this other bill was like four or five foot long. Wow. And it was just like, is that what I think it is? It's yeah. Like, yes. It's a, a huge marlin bill just leaning on the side oh, yeah. of, of a hut. And they've got <clears> so <throat> many big things over there. You know, a friend of mine, he caught a 150 pound Ono, you know, a Wahoo, oh, Ono. Wow. And they're so big, they don't even have stripes. At they just look at, like big gray torpedoes. Yep. And, yep. you know, over here, you know, we're stoked to get, you know, 60-pounders. Oh, you know? exactly. Like, exactly. You know? <clears throat> well, it's, it's funny. One of our friends that I don't want to mention because he was actually drunk at the time <laughs> caught a 100-pound ahi, 100-pound yellowfin tuna. Thought, oh, I've always wanted to do this. <clears throat> put, a, put a hook on it, threw it out in the water as live bait. And like that's like 600-pound Fish going back in the water. Yeah. <laughs> and within 15 minutes, he caught a, a, an enormous grander, you know, wow. well over a thousand pounds within wow. like 15 minutes. Wow. He, I've been out there sometimes, you know, looking out there and seeing, seeing the, um, the, the, the porpoise, yeah. um, the dolphins, you know, running and think, oh, yeah, they're feeding. No, no, that's not feeding behavior. They're running away. <laughs> they're running away. <laughs> There's something, and you know, it's a big old marlin down yeah. there. Yeah. 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 Flippers. Sharks, sharks, they don't even care. No, They're just no. cruising. So flippers on the menu for some of these enormous marlin. <laughs> oh, yeah. Guaranteed. And guarantee those marlin eat the sharks, too. Oh, yeah. yeah oh, yeah. For sure. Yeah. One of my friends was, um, another skipper out here was, was uh, hooked a, a, actually, it was a swordfish. Huh. And he was, you know, playing the swordfish in the swordfish, is, you know, jumping. Um, uh, and yeah, it was just yeah, you know, it was fighting, doing its thing, yeah. doing, doing its thing, <clears throat> and an oceanic white tip shark turned up and started having a go at it. Right, 
And he, the skipper said it was almost as if the, the swordfish turned to him and said, excuse me, we'll finish this in a moment, fisherman. <laughs> Turns it, its attention on the shark, jumped out of the water, came down, impaled the shark. Wow. Speared it through. Shook it off its bill. It, the shark floated away, you know, twitching, dead. Uh-huh. And then turned his attention back to the boat, fighting the boat. And he, he had so much respect for this animal. He said, you, know, you deserve your life and cut the line. He said, you go. Wow. <laughs> There's so many crazy things that happen in the ocean. You know, you've seen the videos where guys will catch sharks, you know, in Florida. And they're reeling them in and stuff. And all of a sudden yeah. this grouper will come yeah. out of the depths out of nowhere and literally engulf and swallow this six-foot shark and you're just like what the heck was that man it's we still don't even know what's down there no exactly exactly so that's one cool thing about being a biologist and doing you know research on marlin which i count just such an honor i mean we we still don't know the full the full life cycle yeah the full cycle well like from my i filled in a little bit of a what we call a life history of the you know life cycle of, of the marlin but we don't know where they go after <clears throat> a couple of inches. Right. And then they turn back up here in Hawaii about, yeah, 100 pounds or so. Like, how, you know, how, how old do you think they are when they're 100 pounds? Five, 10 uh, years old? Probably, probably not. Uh, probably a couple of years old. Yeah. Again, if it's male or female, females grow pretty, pretty, pretty fast. Mm-hmm. Um, so uh, they yeah. get to 1,000 pounds? We used to think years, we used to think it, yeah we used to think it was about thirty years but we now think it's probably just a little bit under twenty years really so it's it's still a long lived fish right <clears throat> yeah. so there could be a, a just a ton mm. of thousand pounders out there oh yeah absolutely yeah. and the things you don't get big by being dumb yeah you know so like, oh they're not there because we're not catching them so oh no they're there yeah. <laughs> they're just they're not interested in you know. Eight-inch-long pieces of plastic that we're dragging behind our boats. Exactly, <laughs> they want something bigger. Exactly, and you know we've got a live bait. They can see, you yeah. know, that it's behind a boat. They know that humans are bad news. Yeah, you know, boats are bad news. Yeah, absolutely. But it's, um, yeah, it's just scratching that surface. And again, we don't know where they go. Yeah. Um, and that was part of my research, trying to work out. Um, we did get a couple of smaller marlin in that were snagged, and <clears throat> it was like, you know. I would go pick them up any time of night. This is like a very, yeah. very small, you know, under 100 pound, under you know, 60 pounds. Someone once snagged, like a, I think a, a 30 pound one, snagged it, foul hooked it. Uh-huh. And I went in, and that was, to me, that's gold as a researcher. Right. <clears throat> so I, I went and I dissected it because it's like, where are they hanging out? Mm-hmm. We don't know where they're hanging out. Right. Yeah. And this is, it's a kind and of. And how deep do they go? That's the point, though. So that's the point. That's yeah. How, where they, and so <clears throat> I, um, I dissected and, t- and looked at its gut content and it showed me, showed us a little glimpse of where it's been. Mm-hmm. And out came these very small, odd-looking squid. Mm-hmm. So I immediately sent them over to UH, Honolulu, to identify them. And they said, oh, this, this, it's a particular type of squid here in Hawaii, but it only lives down at about 300 feet. Mm. Never comes to the surface. So it's like, so it kind of gives you a glimpse of maybe where these things are hanging out. Right. They're hanging out deeper, probably feeding on squid. Can they see when it's that? They're that deep? Yeah. It's how, probably, how, how deep does sunlight actually go? Uh, it depends on where we are and the turbidity of the water. But here in Hawaii, it's probably about 300 feet. And we, got a, we get a thermocline, okay. a rapid change in, in the water, water temperature. And I think they, they live above the thermocline. Uh-huh. Um, and that's where they're feeding. They can't spend too much time below the thermocline because they don't have what's called a brain heater organ. 
Tuna have it. Swordfish have it. It's a little organ that sits behind their brain over their optic nerves. It's so that's a heater. Exactly. Yeah. It's just a heater. So they can actually see and their brains can function in cold water. Huh. Marlin do not have that. Right. So they have to spend ma- ma- the majority of their time above the thermocline in warmer water so they can operate. They can take deeper dives, yeah. but they don't spend much time down at that depth. And they'll, um, and so that, that's why I think the smaller ones are hanging out. Yeah. Now we've got so many different um, types of marlin there are in the world. You know, there's uh, white marlin, there's blue marlin, there's black marlin that you can actually find right here in Hawaii. Mm-hmm. Um, and the thing is with the black marlin is they get just as big as the blue marlin, but they're running right along the reefs. And a lot of people that are out there surfing may not even know that there's a 1,000, 1,200-pound black marlin yeah. right there next to them, five yeah. feet away. You know, <laughs> It's crazy. Have you I'll... ever caught any big blacks over here? Yes, I have. There's been quite a few blacks. Um, well, a lot of black marlin are caught here. Not as many as the blues, of course. Right. But I was after Ono, I was after Wahoo, mm-hmm. you know, in Ono Alley. What's that, like 60 fathoms? Yeah. I'm only 300 feet off the, off the, the beach. Yeah. And I hook up, what, which what I think is a monster um, Ono, uh-huh. and up it comes, a big black marlin. Wow. It's like, what the heck are you doing so close? Like sharpening your bill on the coral? Right. <laughs> exactly. It's, it was, they like reef fish. Yeah. Now, are they, you know, one of the things that we have around here is Cicatera. Cigaterra mm-hmm. or Cigaterra? Yeah, yeah, Cigaterra, yeah. Yeah, and, um, you know, for us, it's gnarly. We eat that, uh, um, we could die. And uh, a lot of these fish all along the reef, they carry that. Um, one of them being the, uh, that what's that one fish that has the, it's a grouper. The Roy? The Roy. The peacock bass, yeah. Yeah, and so they're huge. Yeah. They're yeah. an invasive species here. Yeah. Yeah, ciguatera has always been a, um, <clears throat> a problem here. Uh, it's a naturally occurring. It's it's called a toxic dinoflagellate, mm-hmm. and it's just you know it's in the in the muscle and um, of of fish, and it's it bioaccumulates. So any reef predator will will you know, eat you know ten of those fish. Each have one unit of ciguatera. Now it's uh-huh. got ten units right. in that fish, and yeah, it just you know it works. It accumulates. It yeah. accumulates. So yeah, things like that's why I won't eat, you know, barracuda or, I, or, or big ulu. I don't, you know, I always give them to my friends. You know, oh, yeah. I eat them so you can go for your life. Go for <laughs> There's the big marlin too. You can have that with all the mercury. <laughs> <laughs> True, but but with the fish, the pelagic fish don't get ciguatera. Right. I mean, and the problem has gone back. Apparently, Captain Cook, back in the day, lost a couple of crew members from Ciguatera. Oh wow! So it's, a lot of people say, "Oh, it's the golf courses, the runoff." And nah, it's been it's been around. Yeah. Um, reef fish tend to get it. Um, so I just be careful what I what I eat, um, especially. You know, I don't like eating big allures, big right. trevallies, big big reef predators. But that's why I prefer. Faster living pelagic fish. Right. Yeah. Your, your ahis, your ono. Your, I love ono. Yeah, mahi Probably mahi. the best fish <clears throat> oh, you could ever eat. Easy. Honestly. <laughs> but um, sashimi style, pokey style, or oh, on the grill. Yeah. Either way, I love it. A wasabi mayonnaise, ono. Yeah. Oh, oh yeah. man. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm hungry right now. <laughs> Um, we're going to wrap things up here. Uh, we've been going for a while. I want to thank you for being on the show. Oh, my pleasure. Um, you know, uh, big shout out to your family. Do you, I know you've got some sponsors here. Oh, yeah, I've got a couple of great sponsors we picked up already. Um, Intova cameras and First Light 
camo, <clears throat> which I love. It's actually a great, you know, we're all, we've all got our specific You're loves. You're going to have to show me some of this, <laughs> oh, this yeah. camo. Well, it's actually wool. It's okay. actually finely spun wool, which I love here in Hawaii because it's, it's, um, um, it's nice and warm when, it's, when you're way up Mauna Kea mm-hmm. in the early mornings. Yeah. And during the, during the morning, oh, sorry, you know, midday, it's nice and cool. Oh, wow. So, yeah, I'm, I'm sold on, on wool. So, yeah, first light camo is, is great. And um, there's another <laughs> – one of my favorite sponsors, Combat Flip-Flops. <laughs> <laughs> no, my buddy Griff, he was actually um, a, a battle captain in the Rangers. He was over in Iraq and fell in love with the people over there. Oh. And, and uh, formed a company to help them out, you know, these war-ravaged um, villages. And, that, and they make these really cool slippers. Out of? Out of, um, yeah, just leather. And, body and, parts. <clears throat> <laughs> <laughs> no, but actually the, um, the stud that they use to hold it together is actually uh, an AK-47, the top of an AK-47 round. Oh, wow. <laughs> and his whole thing is business, not bullets. Right. And he actually was on, on um, Shark Tank and got picked up. Great companies. Oh, that's yeah, cool. Great companies. That's cool. Well, we support our troops, that's for sure. Absolutely. Um, now, you know, one of the things, you being a scientist, um, I like to ask a couple of questions um, just kind of at the end of the podcast. And, and it's, you may or may not believe, I don't know, but we're about to find out, do you believe in life on other planets, extraterrestrials? <laughs> Inter- well, that's, um, I don't, I don't, as a pastor, also I'm a pastor, sure. I, I don't believe it. We're getting more into, a, you know, belief systems. And I, I don't, I don't think so. Um, only because one of the, my, my, my roadmaps to my life is, is the Bible. Sure. And it's not, not mentioned in that. And we are it? created in God's image. And, but I, I don't particularly think so. I thought you were going to be asking me more like climate change or <laughs> some political. We'll, we'll get to that too. <laughs> life in other planets. I what about ghosts? Ghosts? Yeah. Ghosts. Yeah, we live in a, in a very spiritual we area do. here. We do. You know, on the planet. And uh, I a believe, lot of what we call mana here. Yeah. yeah. So. Yeah. Uh, again, again <clears throat> I, I love this Hawaii. It's a very spiritual place. Yeah. Do you know the largest Christian church on planet Earth was in Hilo about 100 years ago? Really? People don't realize that. Wow. Yeah. A church of 10,000 people oh. in a town of only 1,000 people. That, yeah, there's this they big revival. miles. Yep. Yeah. yeah. And there's something special about this. Yeah. And. Again, as, as a pastor, I, you know, I laugh. I think you know, God created you know, Hawaii, maybe last, and it was like his jewel. Right. Yeah. <laughs> jewel. Now, ghost, yeah, look, you know, as a scientist, again, people would, would probably ridicule me, but, but what I've seen, I do a lot of travel in Africa and Asia yeah. and the stuff I've seen, yes, there's a spiritual world. There's definitely a spiritual world. Yeah. And the Hawaiians knew that. Yeah. And they, they – and most First Nations people are totally tapped in and know that there is, there is a spiritual world. Yeah. Um, I, so, so ghosts, I don't believe they're, they're ancestors of the past still walking around, sure. but there is a spiritual world out there and the spiritual entities and, and beings out there, angelic forms, either good or bad right. <laughs> out there. Absolutely. And people won't do what I do, you know, going to some parts in, here in Hawaii because of, you know, night marches right. and things like that. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> I have no fear because, yeah. you know, 
If there's some pigs and cattle in there, you're going after them. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> or, or setting traps or, or whatever. So I, I, I have no fear. Um, climate know. change? Climate change. Is it real or is it fake? Okay, climate's change all the time. Right. Yeah. If you, if you look at, um, and again, a lot of people would disagree with me, but I've done a lot of research into this. There's certain topics and issues that have become more political than they are scientific. Sure. Yeah, climate's change, up and down, El Nino effect. We've, we've seen that. I mean, 20 years ago. We, global, yeah, El Ninos, they come, they exactly, go. Exactly, exactly. We experience them as hunters. They go in part hunters with and, global warming. Yeah. You know, uh, global warming, you could say it's an El Nino, right? Because the mm. El Ninos warm everything up. I don't know. Mm. All, ahead, all, all I know is <laughs> it's interesting. <laughs> Scientists always like going for grants, and there's certain catchphrases. Catch, you know, when I was going through university, working on certain species of deep water fish, with the, the Patagonian toothfish, and mm-hmm. you know, if you mentioned that or Oatlet studies, you'd get grants for it because it was the hot, sexy topic in science. If you want a grant these days, you you mention something related to global or, cl- or climate change. Mm-hmm. It's become very, very political, and <clears throat> like it's the it's the hot hot topic. All I know is that 18 years ago, we were, we were worried about the big freeze that was maybe going to happen. And, and then, yeah, things have warmed up. Absolutely. But you yeah. look, at, look at mankind's been keeping temperatures, what, 200 years, 300 years? That's nothing yeah. compared to the age of the earth. And that's, that's absolutely nothing. And so for us, it's like we're looking at a parade that's 10 miles long right. and we're looking through a knothole in the fence yeah. and we're trying to interpret the whole thing. So... Um, you look at the data of the satellite data uh-huh. shows you the world has not warmed up. The atmosphere has not warmed up significantly over the last 18 years. Mm-hmm. And, and in fact, significantly it hasn't. But we do have fluctuations and there's, there's climate fluctuations and that we're in that right now. Sure. Now, whether this will stop in five years' time and start you know, cooling off again, mm-hmm. you know, no one really knows. But I know that it's been highly politicized and there's there's... Um, well, maybe what it was, it was a warm-up to this El Nino. You know, this is one of the, the most record-breaking El Ninos on record, right? Yep, yeah, absolutely. And so, you know, an El Nino lasts for a couple of years, mm. and then it f- starts falling back down. So maybe we were falling back down after the... I think yeah. this is going to be the second year of the El Nino. I know that they it likes to run in like a two-year pattern mm-hmm. from what I've seen on research-wise. Um but maybe we start going back into a cool, cooling yeah, trend after this. Exactly. I mean, the thing is, I don't become too vocal and start poo-hooing all of it because <laughs> what we've also started is a very, very good thing. Mm-hmm. That's you know, carbon, you know, carbon emissions. Carbon emissions. Everything. We're now looking after the planet. We're, we're, it's a wake-up call. Like, oh sure. heck, we got to clean up our act because I see us as stewards of this amazing planet and these mm-hmm. amazing environments. And you know, yeah, we've got a lot of mercury. Now, in the waters, we've got trash bag piles, you know, the size of Texas out in the middle of the Pacific. We are responsible for that. And so I think we should ride this wave of environmental consciousness. Oh, you bet. And, you know, and whether or not am I going to bet my life on global warming and that? No. You know, I'll like, you know. I take the pan view on it, which means it'll all pan out. And I'll and we'll in the in the 50 years down the line, we'll be like, oh, okay. Yeah. <clears throat> That's what was happening. That yeah. was what was happening. But I do love the whole thing that the global warming has generated, and that's a consciousness of we need to clean up our 
freaking Clean up act our here. Act, man. Yeah. Yeah, because we are polluting stuff and this <clears throat> CO2, I don't think it's the big is the big issue. There's a lot more petrochemical toxins out there that we're pumping into the rivers right. and, and, and land. There's a lot of other nasty chemicals. I mean, and history. radiation. And radiation, exactly. But Are we, we seeing effects <clears throat> already from uh, here in Hawaii, from the Fukushima? Uh, some the, people have said they've seen some. I haven't seen any direct evidence of it. I think we're seeing more stuff. Of, you know, I think California and Oregon got a little bit more the way the, maybe, the yeah. currents have run. Yeah, exactly. So but, it's, it's that kind of stuff we really need to, to be looking at rather than, than um, selling property down on Ali'i Drive because it's <clears throat> too close to the ocean and it's going right, to be underwater next year. Right. <laughs> um, we have seen some glacial um, reduction and we don't know if that's – everything on the planet is cyclic. It, yeah. happens, in, it happens in cycles. Yeah. But a, a, again, um, you know, the, the big hot topic that people have lost – jobs over and had death threats over is, is the, actually the methane production and claiming that, that the um, livestock, uh, you know, <clears throat> actually that we have, the huge food lots, are they producing more methane? I don't know, but it's CO2 I'm not too worried about. I know I produce a heck of a lot of methane. <laughs> yes, and I can attest that. I can I <laughs> All witness morning that. long. That's why, that's why we opted to be outside. I know. I'm wondering why our dog's running on the other side of the property. <clears throat> so, but one good thing, again, is it's, it's a, um, awakening people's awareness to we have to steward this beautiful islands, this, this beautiful planet that we live on. And if there's any way we can do it, would reduce our water consumption, you know, be conscious of what we're buying and mm -hmm. who's producing it. Um, yeah. That's what we really need to be looking at. What's going into our foods. Exactly. Like you and I are so blessed that we can actually go and humanely harvest yeah. Yeah, an animal. And, and that's grow our own fruits and vegetables. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Like I'd rather eat... Um, uh, wild caught beef or or or, um, or lamb that I know is living here in paradise, mm -hmm. chewing on grass, and all of a sudden lights out. Yeah, yeah. There's no cruelty. They don't know what's happened, and they're feeding so many families. Exactly. There's a lot of families <clears throat> in need over here, and and you know we were able to harvest a few cows um, a couple of weeks ago. And I have fed so many families. Yeah. My freezer's still overflowing. Yeah. So anytime mm. anybody ever wants any nice, clean, organic, grass-fed meat, come see me. If awesome. you're on the Big Island. And it's an honor, isn't it? Yeah, like I've had love it. friends saying, oh, I'm out of work at the moment and you know, I'm starting a new job. I, you know, my, my pay doesn't come in for another few weeks. <clears throat> you know, yeah. Can I have some meat? It's like, oh, of course, come yeah. here. What do you want? Do you want some pork? Do you want beef? Or do you want lamb? Or fish. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We got it all. I know. But I, I love that. That's part of your living in Hawaii. Yeah. It's, it's that whole aloha that we just love. Yeah. yeah. Well, I want to say thank you again, Andrew. Um, we've been friends for a long time. I've been super looking forward to this. And you didn't let me down. You're an amazing <laughs> human being. Um, you and your family. And thanks again for being on this. Uh, now, any way people can connect with you? Do you have Instagram, social media, Facebook, a website? Yeah, well, we do have a website. As I was admitting, I'm a bit of a tech tard when it comes to yeah. <laughs> doing the, my technical stuff. But we're getting on Facebook now. But yeah, um, hawaiiwildside.tv is where to look. And we're going to start having giveaways for stories. That's yeah, www.hawaiiwildside.tv. 
Sure. And we're going to start really you know, opening that up. and Facebook. Uh, yep, and connect to Facebook that way as well. It's going to be links. And so, Instagram as well. Yeah, I need to start with that one. Oh, though. yeah. We've got to speed you up here, brother. I know. I've got to get my 12-year-old son to teach <laughs> yeah. me. I know. Those guys are so smart. <laughs> oh, my gosh. My son Jake is like a brainiac when it comes to that stuff. But once again, thank you, Andrew. Oh, it's been and, an honor. Uh, you have a great day, my friend. Aloha. You too. Aloha. Thanks, everyone, for tuning in. And we will see you next week on another episode of Doze Nose. We hope. Wow, Andrew, that was awesome. Thank you so much for being on the show, man. You're such a character. I love it. All your stories. Good luck on all your endeavors. We're here. We can't wait to hear more. Check back with you later. Um, thanks, everybody, for joining this. I, you know, you guys are awesome, you know, tuning in every week, listening to these shows. Can't thank you enough. And I want to thank my sponsors out there for making this happen. Uh, we'll start with my newest sponsor, Maverick Sport Fishing, with Captain Trevor Child, right here in Kona, Hawaii. Um, these guys specialize in half-day, three-quarter-day, full-day, and overnight charters. They include top-of-the-line tackle, bait, and fuel. You get your chance to get out there on the ocean right here in Kona and try and catch that elusive thousand-pound marlin or some giant yellow, yellow fin tuna. There's Mai Mai's, there's Ono, there's so much out there. So... If you're here in Kona, give Captain Trevor Child a call. MaverickSportFishingKona.com. You can check him out there. Or call Trevor at 808-896-7985. Tell him you heard it on Doze and O's. I'm sure this guy's going to hook you up big time. If not on the boat, then maybe with a fish. Also, I want to thank Original Nutritionals. These guys aren't your regular meathead supplement brand. It's just pure, basic, and essential foods and supplements to support what they call a clean athlete lifestyle. One of my good buddies and partners in this podcast, Logan Gelbrich, founded this company with a food-first approach, working with average men and women like you and I to the best action sports stars and team sport athletes in the world. These guys do it right. So head over to OriginalNutritionals.com. Grab what you need. And for listening, all you got to do at checkout is enter Doze Nose and get 15% off. That's promo code Doze Nose, 15% off at checkout. Also, let's talk about Deuce Gym in Venice Beach. Yeah, this is where I go and work out and get all ripped when I'm in California. These guys are awesome, man. They, they can, you know, specifically detail a workout for you, um, whether it's cross training or crossfit or strength training whatever it is cardio these guys have it for you just go in there go see my friend logan again yep logan from original nutritionals same guy yeah this is the best gym on the planet you can also follow them on instagram facebook twitter uh, you name it they're all over the place that's deuce gym thanks to gopro GoPro's transforming the way people visually capture and share their lives. What began as an idea to help athletes self-document themselves, engage in their sport, GoPro has become a standard for how people catch, capture themselves engaged in their interests, whatever they may be. So go check them out at GoPro.com. Find them on YouTube, Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. Hurley Clothing. Yeah what I wear every day. You guys see me surfing in them, ripping in them. 
You know, they're phantom board shorts. They're incredible. You've got all that killer stretch. Your knees don't get caught up when you're doing those big air reverses like John John or Chris Amore. Um, they're just the best shorts on the planet. Plus, the rest of their clothing line is pretty insane. So go check them out at Hurley.com. Uh, you guys all know I'm a big fan of the ocean, and that's why I live here on the Big Island. Um, if you're planning to spend some time here in my backyard on the Big Island, uh, you need to go to Kona Voice. They've been, they're your one-stop shop for ocean fun, and they uh, have two different stores, one right down in the King Kamehameha Beach store, Beach, King Kamehameha Beach Hotel, and they have the, uh, the beach shack down there. And then also down in Captain Cook, they have the main store down there. You guys go see Frank and Brock. And uh, these guys, there's all kinds of cool stuff that you can do from historical va'a rides to paddleboard tours and lessons. And they're one of the only companies permitted to do kayak tours in Kalakekua Bay. So if you guys need to rent boogie boards, bicycles, surfboards, anything that the ocean has to offer, these guys have it. Also get advice from trained water people who care about your experience, as well as the preservation of our resource. Go see Kona Boys and just tell them you heard it right here uh, on Doznos and you get 15% off when you go in the store. Or if you go check them out online at www.konaboys.com and just enter promo code Doznos, 15% off. Last one is uh, Kona Coffee and Tea. It's where I go get my morning crack on every morning. Got all these lovely ladies that work in the store. They have the coffee ready for me and and whatever it is I like to eat when I go in there. And man, it's the best coffee in the world. They grow this stuff up on the slopes of Hualalai, bring it right down to the store every day, fresh roasted, just for you to enjoy. And just go in there. I'm usually in there around 8.30, Monday through Friday. You know, drop my son Jake off at school, head down there and kick it. So if you're in Kona, get down there around 8.30, you'll see me, can't miss me. Beautiful, long-haired, good-looking surfer boy. Single, by the way. Ha-ha. <laughs> Just kidding. I am, though, really. But go into Kona Coffee and Tea. Check them out. Check me out. And thanks again for listening. We'll see you guys next week. And ahuyo. Everybody knows those knows. Everybody knows those knows.